Welcome to Run to Thrive, a show for runners who are ready to live, lead, and run with more energy, engagement, and enjoyment in their everyday life. Each episode, you'll gain insight, inspiration, and motivation, and hear from leaders, influencers, and everyday heroes who run to fuel their success in life and work so that you can learn how to thrive on the run and beyond. I'm Matt Mills, professional life, leadership, and running coach. And I'm so excited that you're here so that you can discover how running can help you step into your greatest potential and develop a stronger body, mind, and spirit. Ready to go? Let's get moving. My guest today, Tim Davis, is the author of Tripolar, the story of a bipolar triathlete. And he has a really amazing story to tell. From a young age, Tim was always a runner, but had a period of his life when personal challenges, including struggles with addiction, trauma, and bipolar disorder, kept him away from running. But eventually, he rediscovered his passion for the sport and has since become a dedicated triathlete and ultra runner, which he uses as important tools to help him stay healthy and in recovery. In our conversation, we talk about what lessons he's learned from running to keep himself mentally and physically strong as well as how he got into ultras and how that's made him a strong advocate for promoting physical exercise to help maintain positive mental health. His passion for ultra running is so infectious, it may even inspire you to start training for your first ultra. I know Tim's story inspired me, so let's get moving. Tim, welcome to Run to Thrive. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for asking and thanks for having me here. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited to be talking with you today. Uh, first thing I, I'd love to ask is, have you had a chance to get your run in today? Yes, I did. I did about 10 and a half miles uh, just a couple hours ago. So. Oh, I love it. Uh, 10 and a half. Are you training for anything right now? Um, yeah, I have a 100K race this weekend, the Black Canyon 100, 100K in Arizona. Oh, wow. It seems like the trail races and ultra marathons are still going strong. Um, well, marathons and road races, they're, they're all postponed, but there's still races going on that you're able to, to train for right now. They are some going on. It's definitely hit us too, but, um, most ultra marathon races usually limit the field to maybe one or 200 runners. And just not a lot of people are into running super long distances, although there are a growing number of us and the races in Southern California, a lot of them have been canceled. But uh, a few of the race directors have kind of been putting on like these smaller races where they only let maybe up to 50 people or uh, 30 to 50 people in the race. So they're, they're kind of just doing these like mom and pops or, you know, quick yeah. races they're putting up for 50 Ks and 30 Ks and 50 Ks. It's interesting because you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I'm interested to get your take. Uh, it seems like ultra marathoning and ultra running has exploded in the past couple of years. And I feel like I talked to so many people who are getting into it. What's your thought on the growing popularity of ultra marathons? Are you into it? Are you a little bit like, what are, what are all these people doing? (laughs) (laughs) I am totally into it personally for me in my, I guess, running and triathlon career, you know, I ran uh, track in high school. I played football and basketball. And then I ran the marathons in college, uh, mm-hmm. LA marathon every year I was in college. Then I kind of got away from all that and played basketball. And I don't know, in, in my book that we we're going to talk about, you know, I got mm-hmm. lost in drugs and alcohol for many years. And finally, when I got sober and got back into running, um, 
I was just into marathons and short triathlons. And then I, I got into this phase where I did Ironmans, uh, two Ironmans a year from 2010 to 2015. Wow. Yeah. So those five years I was doing that. But then I started, um, I, I was born to run. <laughs> I read born yeah. to run. I want to say in 2011 and signed up for my first 50 K and then a year or two later, I signed up for my first 50 miler. And then, uh, in 2014, I did my first hundred miler. And, uh, I just read this book called the rise of the ultra runner by, um, I'm going to butcher his first name. I want to say Adarenhen Finn, his last name's mm-hmm. Finn, F-I-N-N. He's a British ultra runner. And uh, it really talks about how ultra running has kind of exploded with um, simultaneously with the rise of social media, if you will, because, you know, the Born to Run book came out, you know, about the same time that, you know, Instagram was started and uh, all these people are posting like their runs in the mountains and on these trails. And it's like people are like, wow, that looks cool. I want to run there. And it just kind of has grown with with social media really over the last 10 or so years. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that now a lot of people see it on social media, especially there are those subset of runners, marathoners who they probably always thought this isn't long enough. <laughs> so now they have their outlet to to go a lot longer. Yeah. And we got guys like the amazing Jim Walmsley out there trying to set the world record in the 100K and coming up, I think, 11 seconds short. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then also try to qualify for the Olympics in the marathon and running like a 220 something, but coming oh, close, but it's crazy to be able to do those. Crazy. They're two very different types of races to trade for. Mm-hmm. I, I know. Oh yeah. There's a huge difference. I, I'm not to the point where I'm there yet, but I know a lot of people are, are really dipping their toe in and going in full force. So I want to start with your running origin story. And you mentioned a bit about this is that you started running when you were younger even running a few marathons in college and even coaching runners. And then you fell off in your twenties due to some personal challenges, including some drug and alcohol problems, gaining weight, getting diagnosed as pre-diabetic, battling with bipolar disorder. What was it that inspired you to start running again? Really? I just wanted to lose weight (laughs) because I bounced around and went to rehab like, you know, half a dozen times from ages 25 to age 33. Um, those years were kind of tough for me. I actually did get sober at 30 and stayed sober for three years, but I had one more relapse right before I turned 33. And uh, I just uh, was carrying uh, some extra weight that whole time. And uh, at, at age 34, I, I, I weighed in at 250 pounds. And, uh, you know, I'm a math and science guy. And I was like, you know, technically 250 rounds up to 300. Uh, you know, the scale's going the wrong way here. Yeah. Um, Cause I hated, I hated being over 200 pounds. So I'm like, I just need to start running again, you know, so I can get back down to closer to my high school and college weight. <laughs> yeah. And what changed for you in other areas of your life when you started running again? A lot of things. I really feel like it, it helped me st- focus on staying sober. I'm 13 and a half years sober now. Wow. Um, it helped me manage my time better because I had to go to work, take care of my kids. I got three kids, um, but I got to fit my run in somewhere you know, cause I kind of really got hooked on it when I got back into it at age 30, yep. 34. What's your trick for, for time management? I know a lot of people, they have that challenge where, especially now they're just, they're so busy with all their responsibilities that they're just like, I don't know when I'm going to find the time. What, what are some of your secrets around that? I guess I would say you just got to make you know, your fitness a priority. If you have to get up at 5am, which I do, um, more on the weekends than I do on the weekdays. My schedule allows me to actually do my running usually in the afternoon, which is nice. But on the weekends, a lot of times I'm up four or 5 a.m. and meeting people at various trails at different mountains around Southern California. But really it's just get it in where you can fit it in. You know, a lot of times 
when I was on campus as a high school teacher, um, you know, I'd go out and just run three miles during my lunch break, you know, just whatever I, you know, I only got yeah. 20 minutes, so I'll just run three miles, you know? Yep. So. Yeah. Fit it in where you can. And I know there's a lot of people that they, they're trying to be intentional, but sometimes we don't think about that. It's like, all right, we got some free time. Let's just get in a couple of miles. And even if that's just the only two miles you have during the day, that might be all you need. Yeah. It's better than uh, doing no miles, you know, quality over quantity, <laughs> getting something in is better than exactly. sitting on the couch. I would agree with that. So, you know, obviously a lot changed for you when you got back into running more than just losing the weights, but I'm curious, what was it that going through some of those challenges that you had in that period of your life teach you about yourself, resilience, overcoming adversity that then you were able to take to your training? Um, you know, honestly, I'm a big 12 step guy. Um, I still go to Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, you know, there's a principle behind each one of the steps, you know, I don't remember all 12 of them, but it's like honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, courage, faith. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but, um, you know, all all these kind of like the same as the, the boy scout principles and just pretty much fundamental principles for any kind of religion or other spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I just started incorporating those into my daily life. And, you know, I just know that I feel better when I, I get some exercise in too, because, you know, just going to meetings and taking my psych meds for my bipolar disorder isn't kind of enough to make me feel completely sane. And I just have this kind of manic nervous energy being bipolar or just whatever. I just, my wife can tell. She's like, you're cranky. You didn't exercise today yet, did you? You know, She's like, go yeah. for a run. I'm like, yeah, I need to go get exercise for at least a half hour here real quick. Yeah. It can be a pretty powerful cure-all. You know, it's like Ben Franklin. He says, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And it's like a run a day can do the same thing. For sure. I mean, running has been my panacea, but I also like to, you know, encourage other people, you know, because some people think that running is not fun. (laughs) For those people, I just recommend find some other sport you like to do. You just got to get your heart rate up. You got to get your body moving. It doesn't have to be running. It could be swimming, biking, yoga, aqua aerobics, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something where you're moving around and getting your heart pumping and your blood flowing, you know? Yep. And with that, what is it about running that has such a positive impact on your mental health and, and well-being? And also what you would say to others about that as well? God, there's so many benefits of running for me besides just like the physical aspect is I just know a lot of times when I'm kind of feeling restless, irritable and discontent or cranky or whatever, I, I know I can go out for a run and you know, I could have maybe, I don't argue with my wife very often, but maybe we had a little argument about something and I go for a run and I'm like, that wasn't that big a deal. And I come back and say, I'm sorry, and make it up or whatever might be stressing me out in life. You know, I may be sad about something. I go for a run and I always feel better and realize that a lot of things that I'm kind of maybe worrying about or stressing out about aren't really that big a deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, running just, you know, reminds me that, you know, life is short. You got to get out there and do what you love. And um, also a lot of times when out running, I, I just kind of let my mind wander and I feel like I meditate, you know, I have all these, a lot of times these revelations come to me. Like sometimes I'm going through a to-do list in my head. I'm like, Oh, I need to do that. You know, sometimes I'll even pause during a run and like type a note in my phone, like make sure I remember to do this. Yeah. Um, But you know, it just helps my, helps me think straight, you know, because a lot of times there's like things I haven't gotten around to doing or things I didn't think of, like solutions sometimes pop in my head. A lot of times I'm like, what am I going to do like this? You know, like for things I'm trying to teach in my classroom, sometimes some of time, some of my best lesson plans have popped in my brain while I was out running. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this to teach, you know, DNA forensic science for because I'm a biology teacher. Yeah. 
I, I think a lot of runners feel the same way. It's almost like they go for a run with a knot in their brain and it's a way to unwind it so that whatever question, whatever intention that you want to bring to that run, you can really solve a lot of your big problems, any big challenges that you have just from getting out there. Yeah, for sure. So you, you've transitioned into ultras because this wasn't something that you were doing back in college and in high school. Why did you decide to get into ultra running? And Alcoholics Anonymous, Larry Rich, when I, when I started getting into running, you know, in my, after my first year of sobriety and I started losing the weight, he and I had known each other in the, from AA for a while. And he was running 5Ks, 10Ks all the time and I was running marathons. And uh, we would start running together and he would slow down for me because he was way faster than me at the time. He's actually like 10 or 15 years older than me. But he started getting into ultras and he kept telling me about him. You know, we'd be out on our training runs together because I was still running mar- just marathons at the time. You know, for me at the time, it's like, I don't know why anybody would run, want to run even 26.3 miles, you know, because when I, <laughs> when I finish a marathon, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not running yeah. anymore. Yep. And that, that, that was my mindset back then, you know, but he kept telling me, no, it's not that bad. You don't run as fast. You pace yourself. You're out on these trails. You know, there's aid stations. You kind of hike uphill and then you run the downhill unless you're one of the super studs, you know, so... There's a, surprisingly a lot of walking and hiking in uh, ultra running if you're doing the trail runs, you know, which is my favorite, you know, being out in the mountains. Yeah. And I just, you know, finally I was like, all right, I'll try this out, you know, and I went and tried a 50K, um, the Calico 50K out in, near Barstow at like, this Calico ghost town out in the desert. And it was just beautiful, you know, and, uh, you know, and I actually, you know, I did a lot faster than I thought I would. Yeah. Well, actually, at the time, slower than I thought I would. <laughs> so I was still <laughs> expecting something close to a marathon time, but uh, it took a little bit longer than that. <laughs> so you were hooked right away. Yeah, I really like that. So I started doing, you know, more 50Ks and 50 milers. You know, a couple of years later, I was signing up for my first 100 miler. <laughs> wow. Was that a huge adjustment to move from those distances? Or did you feel like you were starting to get a little bit acclimated to the training? And of course, it's going to be a lot more challenging. But was it something that was really difficult for you? Or something that you were able to adjust to just with some changes in your training? I think I was able to adjust to it. I mean, a lot of my friends tell me I'm like a machine because I just Mm -hmm. like the energizer bunny. I just keep going. I've had a lot of tough races and there's a few races, you know, that I didn't finish. I mean, in my hundred mile run attempts, I've signed up for 11 of them and and got to the start line at 11 of them, but I've only finished seven of them. So I had four DNFs and and, and 11 of the the hundred I did. So I'm, I'm seven for 11. But, uh, you know, each race is a learning experience. I learned a, a lot in my first few years of running ultra, just um, trial and error with nutrition and electrolytes and stuff. And it's yeah. really important to be on top of your nutrition and electrolyte game and, and ultras. I think even more than marathon personally, having done mm-hmm. both. I mean, it's important in marathon too. I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. What was the toughest race that you completed and what did you learn from that experience? Wow. It's always so hard to just pick one for Ultra running, the toughest race I completed is the Angeles Crest 100-mile endurance run. Mm-hmm. For ultra triathlon, it was the Oregon Double Anvil, which is a double Ironman distance triathlon. But since we're talking about wow. running, I'll stick with AC100, um, Angeles Crest 100-mile endurance run. People just call it AC100. I used to joke, I'm like, does that stand for air conditioning 100? Because that, <laughs> it does not stand for that because that race is the first weekend in August here in Southern California. So uh, temperatures get really yeah, hot. And that's really what hot. makes that race tough is it starts out in the town of Wrightwood, which is about 100 miles away from L.A. <laughs> 
a little bit less than that um, mm -hmm. if you went through the trails to make up the difference. You start at around five or 6,000 feet of elevation. I think it's around six. And the first three miles, you climb like 2,000 feet of elevation gain. And then you get on the Pacific Crest Trail. And so for the first 15, 20 miles, you're at elevation. You're at, you know, you're at between seven and eight. And then you get to mile 14 and you climb like up to almost 9,500 feet of elevation. That's the high point of the race at Mount Baden-Powell. And then it's just kind of technical trails and you're kind of staying up at that altitude um, above 7,000 feet for a while. Then you drop down to 6,000 feet around the halfway mark, mile 50. And then uh, the way the old course was, you went through this canyon between like mile 30 to 40 and the Cooper Canyon is so hot in there. Yeah. <laughs> and most people are getting there by, you know, middle of the day when the sun's beating down on you. Yep. The race starts at 5 a.m. Then, you know, most people, except for the past people, they're getting to mile 50 and 75. By the time they're at mile 75, it's dark and you're going through the night. And two of the toughest climbs are in the last 25 miles. From mile 75 to 80, you have to climb 3,000 feet out of Chantry Flats up to the Mount Wilson. And then from mile 86 to 89, you have to climb almost another 2,000 feet up to Idlehour Trail up to to the Sam Merrill aid station, which is the second to last aid station. And it's got a huge sign up there that says it's all downhill from here. Cause the last 11 <laughs> miles are mostly downhill, yeah. but the last 11 miles are like really technical and you've already run 89 miles and your legs just feel thrashed. And yep. you're like normally on fresh legs, you can kind of cruise through those if you're used to technical trail running. But when your legs feel like that, it's like every little step is like baby steps and you're just kind of shuffling for sure. <laughs> trying not to trip and fall. Cause that could end your race. <laughs> And, uh, and then, and at that same time, you know, for most of us kind of middle pack slope back of the pack runners, um, it, the sun's out again, you know, cause you ran through the night, the sun's up. Yeah. Uh, for me, the sun came up around mile 87, 89 and, uh, it's getting hot again. And, yeah. uh, so the race finishes at 2 PM on Sunday and a lot of the you know slower runners are dealing with the heat two days in a row, you know? So you got heat, you got elevation, you got technical trails. It's, it's got, you know, roughly about a 50% finish rate every year. They've had the race. They've had it about 30 some years now. And, uh, it's usually only about 50% of the people finish it. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, sign me up now. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it sound awesome? It sounds I, I amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it four times. I've finished twice and I've DNF twice. I'm two for four. It's a All right. That's not bad. So you're right in line with that 50%. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. What is it that you've been able to accomplish that you never thought possible as a result of running? I think uh, just really inner peace <laughs> is yeah. the biggest thing. Running gives me that. Outside of that, it's helped me focus on career goals, you know, in sobriety and then focus on running. I've got a master's degree. And like this year, I finished my book, finally, Tripolar, the story uh -huh. of my polar triathlete. But there's a lot about running in there. Like the last five chapters are all about the ultra running races I've done. And I yeah. actually have a, I have a hundred mile training plan in there and I have the story of my first marathon in there, which is really a lesson in what not to do when signing up for your first marathon. What was it that inspired you to write tripolar? Injuries. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but actually when I was doing the double Ironman, I met this guy, there was 16 people signed up for the race, 10 of us at the start line and eight of us finished. And, uh, one of the guys doing the race, his name is Wayne Kurtz and he's mm -hmm. like a legend in the ultra triathlon world. He did 30 Ironmans in 30 days in Italy. Wow. He's done so many crazy ultra races and he's just, he's done over like, I think over a hundred double Ironmans. His, his resume is just crazy. But um, anyway, he wrote the book called Beyond Iron, which uh, um, has a training plan about how to train for um, triathlons that are longer than Ironman distance, ultra triathlons. 
And I, I read the book, I followed the training plan. And then I met him at the race. I'm like, dude, I read your book. <laughs> and uh, during the run course, you know, we were, we shared several miles together on the run course, you know, it's a 52 mile run course. And it was a 1.3 mile loop that we, just, you know, running in circles. <laughs> and so I was telling him my story and just telling him, you know, about like being blamed for my dad's death when I was a kid, you know, going through battling with drugs and alcohol, being diagnosed mm-hmm. bipolar, just all this kind of stuff I've gone through. And then where I'm at now, and he's like, dude, you got a killer story. You should write a book. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then more and more people kept telling me you should write a book. And then in 2018, I kind of had a, some various injuries that kind of slowed me down because most of my free time was spent swimming, biking or running or out mm-hmm. on the trails. And so once uh, that kind of got limited by a couple different injuries, I actually had more time to sit in front of the computer and, and start writing. So I finally got around to it. Sometimes that's what happens is it's just circumstance, but also it sounded like you had a lot of inspiring people telling you, you got to put your story down and get it out there. Yeah, it's really cool. Like uh, I've had several people I know that have written it and they're like, man, this story needs to get out there. I'm like, well, I'm trying, you know, as <laughs> I self-published, but uh, a few people yeah. that are trying to connect me with real editors and maybe try and get a real traditional publisher, which is very difficult. But it's a great story. And I think as many people can tell their stories and how running has impacted them, because as we've talked about, it really, it just goes beyond just the physical health. It's really about what it can do for you mentally. It's about the purpose it can give to you. It's all of these benefits that can really impact your life in these bigger ways. And so I think the more stories like yours that can be told, the more it's going to get people to get out there and go run for themselves. If it's not an ultra, it can just be for their first road race in their local town. Yeah. If just a 5K is better than 0K, right? So Exactly. Exactly. That's what I tell some people. You don't have to do crazy distances. Just do a little something every day or at least, you know, at least five days a week. (laughs) Yeah. I am curious to know, you know, in your, throughout your running career, uh, because you've done a lot of things that you should be proud of, but what would you say is probably your proudest moments from running? I'm just thinking of races. (laughs) Finishing AC 100 is amazing. Every belt buckle I've got, when you finish a hundred mile race, they don't give uh, trophies or medals. They give belt buckles. So having my, my yeah. seven belt buckles is really cool. And uh, my finish in the 12 Ironmans I've done is, is feels really good. It just that uh, there's nothing like crossing that finish line, especially when you're doing a race that, you know, the distance is so intimidating. You're just, you know, wondering whether you'll finish or not, you know. Right, <laughs> so. right. And so long out there, it's just you have to be mentally strong, not just yeah. physically strong. That's one thing I think is the biggest difference from making the jump up to the marathon. But I can only imagine in ultras, it's, it's even more intense. It's very empowering though. And it's very addicting, man. That crossing the finish line, you know, I see, you know, some people will just do it once and they're happy, but you know, us, us with more addictive personalities, we want, <laughs> we want that feeling of crossing the finish line and that sense of accomplishment um, on a regular basis, you know, you know, that, that uh, kind of pink cloud or that, whatever, that, that joy yep. you get, you know, the success, you know, it wears off after a few weeks kind of fades mm-hmm. out and then you're ready for the next one. Yeah. That's why Tom Brady will never retire. Cause he, no. <laughs> he does not get tired of winning Super Bowls. Hey, it serves him well. Keep going. Why slow down when you don't need to? I know. Yeah. That guy's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's it only is, three yeah. years younger than me. I can't believe it. I'm like, <laughs> But he looks younger than all of us. So yeah, he's, he's doing something right. Hair. <laughs> I know. I know. I think it's his diet. I know he's he talks a lot about that. But that's another another conversation for another episode for sure. 
Yeah, I know his diet. I wish I could stick to his diet, but I'm not that disciplined. <laughs> not as hard as you think, but yeah, it's definitely there. There take some some changes for sure. Yeah. Uh, but also, he's not running ultra marathons, so that's the other thing to that. Yeah, you gotta remember. he probably could if he stuck his mind to it. Yeah. So I a lot of obviously a lot of the people listening are runners and might even be running right now. And yeah. what I'd love to know is what's the biggest message you'd want to leave the runners who are listening to this, who might be experiencing some challenges of their own personally, maybe gone through some setbacks uh, in some aspect of their life. What is, what's the message you'd want to leave them with? I guess my message would be is to be consistent, track your progress. I know for me, having a training plan and keeping my fitness log keeps me focused. I can see when I'm slacking off and I need to step it up. And I just know what my workout's going to be each day. And if you get injured, cross train, because I've had various running injuries from, I've had stem cells injected in my knee. I had a kind of a, a hip protrusion that stopped me from running for three months. I had some other things like this weak glute muscles on my right side because I have a muscle mm. imbalance and different things that have you know taken me out of running for a little while here and there but I just spend more time in the pool and on the bike you know so if, if you have an injury just fine you know there's some way you can move your body yeah. <laughs> you know the injury doesn't stop the rest of your body from moving so move the parts of your body that you still can while that thing's healing up and you're doing yeah. therapy or whatever yeah keep moving that's that's all you need however it can be Tim, it's been awesome to talk with you. I'd love to know where is it that people can find you and get a copy of Tripolar, your book? Oh, yeah. I have a website, ultratimdavis.com. On there, a pop-up will come for you to buy my book. Uh, My book is available on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Book Depository, and a few other distributors. It's available in paperback, Kindle, ebook, or Nook. It's available in audiobook, too. So for you runners, you can listen to an audio. And uh, if you just Google search your Amazon shirts, Tripolar Tim Davis, it should be the first thing that pops up. Awesome. Well, Tim, it's been really great to talk with you. And I'm not going to lie, this is the first conversation I've had where I've been a bit inspired to almost want to start training for an ultra. So when I do dive into that world, I know who I'm going to contact. I loved hearing your story and hearing what you're up to. And I look forward to hearing what the next hundred mile or how that goes for you. Yeah. Hey, one last tip of advice. If you, uh, if you really like chasing speed and personal records, don't go into ultras yet. It really does change your running. Like, uh, and uh, it really kind of just really develops the slow twitch muscle. So if you Mm -hmm. wanted to focus on getting personal records and shorter distance again, you'd have to not train for ultras if you wanted to try to get fast times again, because a lot of my, like my marathon time is a little bit slower now. A lot of my other shorter distance times are, are definitely a little bit slower now. I got way too much slow twitch muscle now. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's good for the people who want to slow down. That's where you go is to ultras. People who yeah. want to run fast, try a stick, different distance. Yeah. Stick with the shorter stuff if you want the fast game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Tim. It's been great yeah, to Thank chat. you, Matt. Thanks again for joining us on the Run to Thrive podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you're interested in learning more about how you can live, lead, and run at your best, visit coachingontherun.com and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Coaching on the Run. And if you like what you heard today on Run to Thrive, please leave a review and remember to subscribe to receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Until next time, 
I'll catch you on the run.